On this episode of the Tradebusters podcast, we're going to be talking about everything zero DTE and asking ourselves, is this in fact the best thing since sliced bread? Before we go on, just a quick disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor and everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as financial advice. Now, zero DTE lately has been such a polarizing topic in the Facebook group. You know, you get people that come out and just say it's gambling and it's not trading, you know, and uh, there's going to be months where things go well and everybody's posting the winners and having a good time. And then there's months where everything goes horribly and you get these posts about huge losses. And then the horror stories about bad fills or stops that didn't work or stops that get canceled. And then once in a while, we get people that come in the group and complain about, well, this is a tasty trade form. So why is everyone talking about zero DT all the time? Right. And then uh, occasionally you get the people who post about how they've been doing it for months and months. And eventually they just start to question it. You know, maybe they had a big loss or it's too stressful and it's not worth the effort. And then just want to be like, well, is this really even worth doing? You know, so. The reason I wanted to do this episode finally is just to, you know, talk about different types of zero DTE trading, at least the more popular ones I've come to be familiar with in the group, um, the differences in the trade structure, management, different nuances, pitfalls, and basically just take all of my experiences in the last two years and lessons learned from having traded zero DTE basically every single trading day or every single zero DTE day anyways, for the last two years and having back tested, you know, multiple years beyond that. Um, so again, just want to, you know, lay it all out there, you know, all the lessons learned, hopefully accelerate your learning curve. And uh, for those of you who are thinking about starting or maybe who are already doing it. And at the end of this podcast, and maybe not right at the end, maybe, you know, it's going to take multiple listens even, but the goal is to have a few conclusions, you know, for you guys. And all of these are valid, okay? You know, for one, you could decide after listening that, hey, this is not for you. You know, there's too much risk. It takes too much time. Um, and it just doesn't suit your style. But you know what? If I can save you some tuition and save you from a big loss before coming to that decision, you know, I think that's a, that's a success there, right? Number two... Maybe there's somebody who is on the fence and wants to try it. And after kind of listening to this, you can pick and decide which style might suit your personality, your temperament, um, your schedule. And hopefully you have an idea of what to expect and kind of how to manage it. Right. And then thirdly, you know, another conclusion is you could realize that, hey, you were doing this, but what you thought you were doing or the type of style you thought you were was in fact something very different and maybe you were managing it incorrectly, right? And you have to kind of look at it from a different angle. So, you know, those are the kinds of outcomes that I hope um, and the value you can get out of, out of this episode. So for starters, what makes Zero DTE so unique, right? For one thing, and this is the more obvious one because it's zero DTE, you're trading options that expire that day. So you're out by the end of the day, right? So you don't hold any positions overnight and thus there is no gap risk, right? That is one of the largest appeals of doing this kind of strategy because that capital that you allocate basically goes to cash, right? You don't have any overnight risk. Now, 
The other thing that is very unique, and whether you realize this or not, in fact, I think most people don't realize this, is just the enormous amount of leverage that you are able to take on using zero DT. And this is, in fact, due to um, the short dated nature of the option. And I'll, I'll kind of run through an example. So as you know, for um, even large accounts who have portfolio margin, right, you're able to sell options at about, you know, nine or 10, let's call it 10% buying power reduction, which gives you basically 10 to one leverage on the capital. Now, um, I looked up at the option chain earlier today. So today is September 12th, 2021. And I looked at a one DTE five Delta option on SPX. All right. And it was at the 4260 strike for $2 and 45 cents. Now, if I wanted to, now let's say I didn't have portfolio margin. Okay. And I couldn't sell a naked option on SPX, but I wanted to replicate having that 10% buying power um, and buy a cheap wing. Okay. So I can go out 10% out of the money and buy a wing and hopefully cap that buying power right and because it's 10% out of the money that that buying power held is going to be like portfolio margin but if we go out 10% out of the money and look at the 3860 strike right that option at 1 DTE still cost um 30 cents right and this is easily almost 400 points out of the money right so that capital requirement is on 40,000 that's still a lot for any small account and even then that 30 cent wing still represents, you know, about 12% of the short credit. So if you're trying to do a synthetic naked anywhere outside of zero DTE, right? This is just one DTE. It just doesn't make sense, right? The, the capital requirement is too much. But on zero DTE, depending on the level of VIX and depending on which side, um, but let's, let's talk about the put side because that's usually wider due to the put skew. You're able to go out and buy a cheap wing, just a nickel, right? Anywhere from 150 to 200 points out. So that is basically bringing that capital requirement down to 15 or 20,000. And in fact, on the call side, you know, towards the end of the day, I've seen a cheap call side wing for a nickel as little as 20 points out, right? So think about this. You're able to essentially trade something that is like a synthetic or acts like a naked strategy on SPX, which is a huge product, right? With as little as a $20 wide wing, which is a $2,000 capital requirement, right? So this is, this is in fact more capital efficient than portfolio margin, right? So if you think about it, that, and, and let's just assume for sake of example, let's say you had a 4,000 strike as a short, right? So the notional is 400,000, a 20, dollar wing or $2,000 capital requirement, that's one half percent, half a percent of BPR relative to the notional, right? In other words, it's 200x leverage or 20,000% leverage, right? So that's enormous leverage on a product that you can trade with very little capital requirement. Um, now, if we talk about ROC, that's, that's huge. For example, let's say you collected a dollar on that $20 wide spread, for example, right? So that $1 on the 2000 requirement, that's 5%, 5% return on capital in 
one day or less, right? Now annualized because there's 156, you know, trading or zero DTE days in a year. That's 780% annualized ROC. Now obviously you're not going to 100%, but I'm just kind of give you an example of just how much leverage you're able to take on because of the nature of zero DTE and how those wings, right? The cheap wings, the distance comes in, right? So that is in fact an aspect that makes it very unique. Now, don't get too hyped up about that because obviously all good things have a trade-off. So if you haven't, you're going to want to listen to episode 19 and 20 of this podcast, which is all about sort of risk and practice versus risk and theory. And um, also episode 20 was about kind of trading naked. Is that really more risky? So it kind of compares spread and naked trading. But anyways, go back and listen to those. And those will kind of hopefully sober you a bit about the risk of the high leverage. But again, that that this is in fact what makes zero DT so unique, right? The lack of gap risk, the leverage, and of course the speed, right? Because everything is moving at, you know, theta, all the time the K has to go to zero by the end of the day, right? So whatever you sell in premium, unless you get stopped out or get challenged or goes into money, whatever, it's gonna go to zero at the end of the day, right? It's theta. So everything is basically on an accelerated time schedule, right? So if you think about it, like, you know, Tasty Trade, they talk about earnings trade, right? Where you get that instant gratification, right? But that's four times a year, right? <laughs> With zero DT, this is instant gratification three times a week, right? Or I guess you call it instant destruction, <laughs> depending on what happens. But but again, you just you just have so many occurrences and that that's part of the appeal, right? It's almost like a binary event, you know, three times a week and you can trade over and over and over again. Um, now, obviously there's downsides of that, right? Because of the speed and the velocity, people talk about gamma, right? Taste Trade talks about exiting trades you know, less than 21 DTE because of the gamma. Well, think about zero DTE. This is the, basically the ultimate gamma, right? Now, there are ways to mitigate that, which we'll talk about it in a second, depending on the type of strategy. But in general, right, with the speed at which things move and the size, remember, you're trading SPX mostly, right? I don't know if people trade S zero DTE on other products. I mean, they do, but SPX is the most common one that I know of. And so with the speed and the size, you, you're basically dealing with the behemoth here. So you just have to be really careful um, about what you're doing and just be aware of the kind of risk that you're actually taking. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a few different styles of zero DT that I've seen people trade online in the Facebook groups and kind of some of the pros and cons and management options. The first one is the out of the money low delta variety, okay? And it could be naked or synthetic naked, which is basically using that cheap wing, all right? And one thing I wanna make clear, this type of strategy is very highly negatively skewed. Now, what does that mean? It means that the potential loss size is much larger than the potential win size, okay? so. When you have a positively skewed strategy, it means your winners are generally larger than your losers, right? This is a negatively skewed strategy where the losers are bigger than the winners. In fact, it is highly, highly negatively skewed right? because you're selling for small credits, 50 cents, 60 cents a dollar, and the potential downside is enormous, right? Partly because of that leverage. 
Um, so you have to have risk management. Now, what's the advantage of this kind of strategy, right? Because you're doing low delta out of the money. The, the win rate generally is going to be higher. And <laughs> that's honestly about the only advantage, okay? That the win rate is typically going to be high um, or you would expect it to be anyways. Uh, and one of the more common ways to manage risk, right, because of that negatively skewed risk reward profile is the use of a stop loss, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into it too much on this episode because I've done a whole episode on stop losses and the nuances. So if you haven't, go back to listen to episode 12, which is all about stop losses specifically in regards to zero DTE, okay? But with the stop loss, of course, um, because of the risks of using a market stop, which again, I talked about in the other episode, right? You can use a stop limit, which I only advise if you can really sit there and watch or at least be aware or have a notification or something that you know to look when the stop's been triggered and you can ensure it's been filled, okay? Because stock markets, stop markets and stop limits can basically be, you know, stop limits can be blown through. The orders can be dropped when there is some kind of fast market event and the spreads widen, right? The broker or the exchange can just cancel the order. And yes, you of course can use a mental stop as well, which I don't really, uh, I'm not in support of that just because again, the speed at which these trades move, you know, if you don't have the discipline or something just happens and you, you miss it or it's moving too fast, like you don't know if you're going to be able to execute on time, right? And with the stop limit, you have to watch it. Um, because again, if it doesn't fill, you have to manually step in and intervene. So that's kind of really the risk with this kind of strategy because it moves so fast. Um, and part of the reason, in fact, it moves so fast. And one of the biggest risks with these sort of low delta um, out of the money variety of zero DT is in fact a lot non-linearity okay so we talk about high gamma but the problem with this style is the gamma is actually kind of beneath the surface until it's too late so i'll use like an extreme example let's say you went out really really far like 200 points out of the money unless you could for some reason sell it for a nickel which i'm not sure you can or let's just say you go somewhere really far you sell it for a nickel presumably the market could move you know 10 15 points and the option might not really do anything, right? Because it's still so far out of the money. The delta is not really going to change. The IP is not really going to spike. But as it gets closer, you know, you'll start to see that option move. It might go from a nickel to a dime to 15 cents or whatever. But then there's suddenly a huge move, right? That option could jump, right, to 50 cents, a dollar, dollar, 22 dollars, whatever it is. And it's because, you know, when you're out on the wings, you're kind of on the sort of flat portion of the gamma curve, right? But as the market gets closer, if you're actually starting to become tested, you're going to start moving across where the gamma curve picks up. And if that thing goes parabolic, that's when you can see um, the option price spike, right? So it's a, it's nonlinear, basically. Now, hopefully, if you're sitting there and watching, you can catch it before it goes too far off. But let's say you're not watching, right? You, you think your option is, you know, some low value, 15 cents, 20, 30, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you turn around and it's like $5, right? You're now you're at 
very very high multiples of what your credit was right so it's just because of that non-linearity and that's something that catches people off guard and that's one of the kind of the biggest hidden dangers of trading this type of low delta out of the money style okay now besides using the stop loss you know i've seen people do kind of like micro adjustments where they it might roll up the untested side or you know if they get stopped out they might sell a new one further out of the money all, all the while rolling up the untested side so these things can work you know i don't do them because uh, it's a little less mechanical and again you have to be very active and engaged with the trade and you know with how fast things are moving right execution might not be great right so but again those can work but what you don't want to do is you don't want to roll out in time right because i mean there's a few reasons right remember part of the thing about zero tte is about having no gap risk right if you roll out on time guess what you've introduced gap risk right and pair that with the leverage pair that with you know let's say there's a gap and you know you wake up the next morning fully in the money well you're done right there's nothing you can do um and then conceptually if you think about this you know for other time regimes let's say you normally trade 45 dt right and it gets down to 21 you roll back out of 45 right or let's say you trade 60 dt it goes down to 30 you roll out to 60 right there's a certain regime where you stay within because the trade behaves a certain way that you're used to right you're not going to take a 45 dt and roll out to 90 right you're not going to take a 60 dt and roll out to 120 right it's just a very different trade right so that doesn't make sense to roll out in time um, for zero DTE. So coming back to, you know, this style, the, the, the problem with um, sort of this out of the money style is it, it takes time to trade because you have to watch it very carefully. And you can take a profit target maybe, but you don't want to be too aggressive. Like you want to really extract the maximum amount of premium possible if you're taking profits like 10 20 percent just going to take the expectancy um so you want to maybe take at least 80 or 90 if not held it to expiration right but then that requires you to be there you know for the whole trading day right so it just takes more time um and it's highly prone to execution risk because of the speed and sort of the gamma issues that i talked about and the stop loss issues i talked about in the other episode that's sort of the Achilles heel. It's just the execution, being able to properly control the risk, right? Because you want to be able to take this highly negatively skewed risk reward profile and bring it into something more reasonable, like a risk two to make one, risk two to make one. But if stops sometimes aren't reliable or they can get a bad fill, you kind of lose that control. That's sort of the black swan risk, right? The bad fill or the high slippage. Um, so anyways, that's... Uh, what I have to say about that. Um, one other style I've seen is sort of the the at the money iron fly, or I'm sure you guys have heard of the Jim Olsen iron fly and the kind of the different variants of that. And this one, you usually, you know, depending on VIX, maybe you're at the money with the straddle, but you buy wings maybe 50 to $70 out, depending on which side, you know, the put side might be wider than the call side because of the skew. And you might be collecting anywhere from one sixth to one fourth of the kind of the width of the wing as a credit right so um if you collect anywhere from one sixty one fourth, you know the, the risk reward um of structurally is structurally at least right you know let's just say for some reason you don't have risk management 
your risk reward on this is something like five to one or four to one, right? So it's still negatively skewed, but kind of more moderately. So it's not it's not extremely negatively skewed. Now you still need risk management, right? Otherwise, I think your expectancy is just not going to be positive. But because you're collecting kind of a larger credit, you might be collecting, you know, right now VIX is really low, but you might be collecting like twelve dollars at the open. Um, might be less later on, but when VIX was high, might be collecting $20, $30. So you kind of have a wider break-even zone. Um, so there's a wider zone within which you don't necessarily have to adjust, and you can kind of let the trade work out. And it can still move very fast, but because you have sort of the uh, the straddle in the middle, right? You have these opposing Greeks, um, right? Whereas when... Let, let's say it moves up, right? The market goes up, right? You, you're, you're taking a loss on the call side, but the put side is offsetting that somewhat, right? Not exactly, as you guys know, but that's kind of the, what the offsetting Greeks are. And because you don't start super out of the money, right? You're at the money. You're kind of already at the part of the gamma curve where the delta is increasing and decreasing linearly. And again, because of the opposing Greeks, it, it won't move as fast, okay? Now, it's still fast, relatively speaking, you know, relative to like a 45 DTE or something, but you have a chance, right? You can actually look at it and see the trade move, and I, I think there's a chance for <laughs> human reactions to actually do something uh, about the trade. Now, for this style of strategy, c because you're collecting such a huge shot of premium, you don't need to trade as many contracts and you're usually trying to carve out something like 10 to 15 percent of the premium as a profit target right i've heard maybe like a dollar fifty um, or two dollars so time and trade can potentially be very short right you enter this right in the morning and you might be able to get out in 30 minutes less than an hour i've seen people get out in 12 minutes right and Let's say you do this multiple times throughout the day, right? Same thing, you can get in and maybe carve out some of that premium in a shorter amount of time. So the, basically just the total time and trade expected for this style of strategy is less. Um, now there's still gonna be variability in the risk reward ratio in practice, because for example, if you're collecting $1.50 as a profit target, right? That's sort of the expected win size. For this one, usually you have a stop out. I've heard kind of like the break even points um, where if the market moves too far, right, you, you need still need to cut the loss, right? But effectively, you might end up with a loss of $5 or $6 or maybe even a little bit more. So compared to your usual profit target of $150, you are still going to have like a 3 to 4 or 5x loss potential. Um, but structurally, right? The trade structure itself is a still bounded risk, right? If something just <laughs> went totally wrong and you forgot to close it or you couldn't, you know, watch or something, you're still kind of limited by that five to one, six to one, um, risk reward in absolute terms, just because you have those wings. And, and that's just, again, due to the structure of the trade, right? So whereas if something went wrong, you're going to maybe lose a couple of weeks, of progress compared to that's the low delta low credit out of the money one where if something goes terribly wrong you might lose months of progress right so that's kind of the difference 
Now, one other variety that's not quite as common, but I, I've seen crop up and some people do this and I've seen some people do some research along this um, avenue is at the money or even in the money, slightly in the money, tight spreads, okay? Now, the reason you're doing this, and this is quite different from the other two styles that I've just gone over, you're trying to collect maybe one half the width of the spread or maybe even more, okay? And I'll just give a quick example. Let's say you do a $5 spread, right? $500 capital. You might be trying to collect that $250, right? $250, right? So if you collect $250, which is half the spread, your risk reward structurally, okay, becomes one to one, right? If you collect more than half the spread, you even get a positively skewed strategy. You might be able to have just, for example, if you collect $3 on a $5 spread, right? Your max loss is two. Your max profit is three, right? Now you have a positively skewed strategy. Now, of course, <laughs> there's always a trade-off, right? Your win rate's not going to be high, right? If you sell an at-the-money type credit spread, statistically speaking, your win rate is basically a coin flip. It's 50-50. But there is some appeal to this kind of strategy. Now, I will say I don't trade this style, but the appeal is that the risk management is, in fact, built into the structure, right? Remember, with the low delta out of the money or sort of that wider-winged iron fly, you need to actually do something to manage the risk reward profile. But if you have this tight spread, for example, where you collect half the spread and it's one to one, right? That risk reward reward profile, that's locked in, right? You don't need to do anything. And the only thing you need for the positive expectancy is the win rate to be high enough. Now, if you have one to one, you need to be above 50%. Right now, let's say you collect a third of the width of the spread, you risk two to one. You need to have a 66.66% win rate to be positive. Right? I've talked about this in some of my other episodes. Now, again, I want to be clear I don't trade this style, but the appeal is that you do not require any additional adjustments, and therefore, there is no dependence on execution no dependence on a stop right there is not that black swan risk of a bad fill or some kind of catastrophic execution now i've said before <laughs> at the get-go i don't believe have uh, you know just a plain spread has edge right I, I generally i've said before i think it's kind of flat to negative expectancy but this kind of style if you really believe there is some kind of pattern or trend or behavior you can capitalize on or maybe using technical analysis or some other kind of momentum or let's say for whatever reason right you do this in the last 30 minutes of the day and you believe that the market's too high it's going to revert right so you sell it at the money cost spread or for whatever reason whatever reason you think the market's going to continue and you sell it at the money put spread or whatever it is or even one strike in the money right if you really have some other information you're relying on either through your own inference or through some kind of system that you believe there is an edge somewhere that you can push that win rate above what it takes to get this expectancy to be positive then i think that's something worth investigating 
Because again, with this kind of structural setup, your risk reward um, reward profile that's baked in. That ratio is baked into the structure. So you only need to, you know, augment that trade with some kind of something. Right? Again, I don't do this myself, but I've seen people that do. I've seen research along this avenue, and and it's interesting. Solely because, at least to me, it's interesting because of the fact that you're not relying upon any additional adjustment, right? And I, regardless of whether or not I believe in technical analysis or patterns or you know trends and mean reversion and all that, I do agree and believe that simplicity is usually a good um, policy, right? So with something that just is a roll of the dice and you can see whether or not the win rate is high enough and create that positive expectancy. You know, I, I think there's something there. Um, anyways, um, that kind of wraps up this part. Um, again, these are the styles that are kind of the more popular ones I've seen that I'm familiar with. I know there's other things, you know, I didn't cover, for example, just simply tight spreads, directional trading with zero DT and you kind of kind of layer in and build on the position. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff out there and I'm, I'm sure you guys you know might know more than I do but I think that's enough to kind of give you an idea of the different flavors and little pros and cons and the pitfalls to look out for and just to recognize that depending on how it's set up depending on what time you go where you place it you know those options are going to behave differently but at the end of the day okay what I want to really get across is that zero dte it's not magic okay we're not saying this is some great thing where all of a sudden there's a huge edge and you're gonna make tons of money now you can okay but we're harvesting the same edge for the most part as any other option seller right we're trying to harvest that time decay we're trying to take advantage of that overstatement of volatility okay um but to reiterate the appeal is in the lack of gap risk Okay, the enormous leverage. Now, this is a good or a bad thing, but the enormous leverage that you can take on with zero DT, and and then again, the fact is that everything relative to the usual longer DT strategy, everything just happens at warp speed. Okay, so those three things are the kind of the main factors that drive what makes zero DT so unique. And of course, kind of bringing it all back and, and, and going back to the original question. I mean, is it the best thing since sliced bread? Um, honestly, I think it, it is what you make of it. Okay. You get out what you put in. You know, sometimes if you put a lot of effort into it and really spend the time to manage it and, 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 and keep with the trade, I mean, you can have success, right? You can, but it takes discipline. It takes knowledge. It takes understanding of the risk and it takes discipline and it takes conviction. All right. Um, so hopefully um, you got something out of this and hopefully learned something you didn't know before and kind of give you some tools and little different tips that can help you have success and picking, you know, what's right for you or maybe deciding that it's not right for you. And that's OK, too. Um, OK. So anyways, let's leave it there. And as always, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It's available on most of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 
You can also find more of my content on my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you can find all of my strategy mechanics and trade logs as well as essays, other podcasts I recommend, and you can also follow me on Twitter at TheTradeBuster. That's it for today, guys. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next time.